0: Jeremiah seventeen nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it? David says in Psalms fifty one five, behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Right, we're not born innocent, we're not born good from conception. David says, inspired by God, we are born in sin. We are sinners. Of the air, that Satan, Satan was our prince. This is a description of who we were before God changed our heart before salvation. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, that's our nature, before salvation, by nature, children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. Three, 3.3 says for we ourselves were once foolish disobedient led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our day in malice and envy hated by others and hating one another man is not born good he's not born innocent man is born into depravity In fact, so much so that the Bible is clear, God has to restrain man's evilness by his grace. He doesn't let us be as evil as we could be. Our hearts were just free to follow the wickedness that's in them. He has to restrain man's evil, hold it back, otherwise society would just fall into chaos. Theologians call this common grace. He restrains man's heart by the conscience Church informing the conscience in the communities by the government. There's punishment for good for, for evil, and the government's supposed to reward the good by families. Discipline found in the families, God restrains. 1, 18 through 32, is a commentary on man's evil tendencies and what happens when God stops restraining evil, letting man be as evil as they want to be, when God lets a culture go and gives a culture over to its depravity. Romans 1, 18-32 really is a commentary on what's going on in our culture right now. There's three parts of my sermon this morning. The first one is this, man's evil tendency. Second point, second part, the revealed wrath of God. And the third part is this, three signs of God's judgment. So let's start with man's evil tendency. Romans 1, 18, again wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth now this is a familiar concept to us because we've just been watching the man in exodus suppress the truth to insanity to madness that's pharaoh suppressing the truth that word "suppress" in greek is like taking a basketball i know i've said this a hundred times but it's so important Taking a basketball or a ball and going to a pool and pushing that ball underwater. What's the ball want to do? It wants to come up. And then then, then pitcher pushing that ball underwater and that ball slipping and hitting you in the face and you grab it and push it down again. That's what suppressing the truth is like. Or the analogy I came up with last time I talked about suppressing the truth. It's like that game Whack a Mole. The truth is like the moles that pop up and you keep trying to hit them faster and faster and faster until you just can't hit them anymore? This is the wickedness. Man, this is what man does. By their unrighteousness, their unholy desires, their hatred of God, they suppress the truth even though the truth just keeps hitting them in the face. Like the basketball or the little moles can keep popping up and can't get rid of them. Why does the truth keep hitting man in the face? Well, verse 19 tells us in verse 19, What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Creation reveals the glory of God. Creation screams that there is a God. Psalms 19.1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. I mean, every day when you look up at the stars, it proclaims that there's a God that created. It pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. It reveals truth. Man takes that truth and suppresses it. Therefore, man is without excuse. Is without excuse. I mean, this is completely contrary to what secular society is saying right now. According to the social justice ideology, man has always has an excuse. Again, it says that man is born good and corrupted by society. Man, in other words, is a victim of circumstances. Man is a victim of evil systems. Scripture says that man is without excuse. That we are all personally responsible for our actions and our personal sins. We can't blame you. End of verse 20 again. So they are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Who thinks so. have Being a pastor for 10 years, I'm just convinced that everyone knows that there's a God. You just talk to people and it's just apparent. I and you can, you can get rid of all the apologetic arguments and everything. It's just obvious that people know that there's a God. Although they knew him. They did not honor him or give thanks. Honor is a great word. Uh, Daxazo, which is a word we get doxology from. It means to, to praise or to honor or to glorify. Actually, to glorify is a good translation, but it really gives this idea to worship. I think of worship as a, a, a giving worth to something. Worth, that word worth-ship. You're, you're, gaining, you're giving worth to something saying you're worth a lot. Right? That, that's what that word kind of kind of means. And right? Giving thanks is another way of worship. It's another way of prescribing worth to something. You give thanks to something. Giving thanks it recognizes our dependence on God. Right? Our lives, our health, our wealth, our families. Everything we have, even in this world, we owe to God. For although they knew God, they did not honor or worship Him as God or give thanks to Him, but but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Fool is not just I- ignorant. Ignorance is, is not knowing something. Foolishness has a moral aspect to it. It's ignorance of the moral aspect to it. The word fool does not mean merely to be guilty of intellectual folly, but to be guilty of moral folly as well. The fool doesn't use his mind to recognize and pursue truth, pursue truth. Fools use their intellect and sometimes amazing intellect, sometimes impressive intellect. The fool uses all that intellect to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Provide a philosophical justification for their actions. Verse 1, by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Suppressing the truth is foolishness. It's a willful ignorance. A man doesn't want to want to submit to God. Man doesn't want to honor or give thanks to God. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. Verse 23 is such an important verse. It's one of the most important verses, I believe, in the whole New Testament. Verse 23 reveals man's greatest problem. It reveals man's greatest sin. It's not foolishness. Foolishness is a byproduct of, of our greatest problem. Our greatest our greatest problem is this: we are exchangers. Look at look at verse twenty three again. It says this: We exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. We are ex. Exchange- exchanging the the God for for, uh, 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 images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creepy things. What's that called? Idolatry. False worship. Our greatest problem is that we worship created things instead of the Creator. Our greatest problem is that we try to find joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness, meaning, worth, and things that are created instead of the creator himself. We exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things of creation. We are exchangers. That's our greatest problem. And I think Paul is trying to make that point really clear. Again, look at verse 23. It says this, and exchange the glory of glory of the immortal god for images now look at verse 25 because they exchanged the truth about god for a lie now look at verse 26 for this reason god gave them up to dishonorable passions for the, their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature in our depravity we are exchangers In fact, every time you sin, you are exchanging the glory of God for something else. You're saying something else is worth more than God, worth more than obeying God. It's false worship. Every time you sin, you are exchanging the glory of the immortal God for an image. You're exchanging the truth about God for a lie. Idolatry is our greatest problem as man. Our tendency as sinful man is to exchange God for earthly things. We are exchangers. Because of this, verse 18 says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. In man's evil tendency is to exchange God. To exchange God for something else is to say to God, God, I don't want thee. This leads us to our second point this morning. the reveal the wrath of God. Now, I want to be clear. I think verse 18 is talking about a particular wrath. There's a particular wrath is being talked about here. Look again, verse 18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed. That verb, is in present tense. The wrath of God is revealed. It is actually an ongoing revealing. It's being revealed, ongoing. Is revealed. Most people, when we think of judgment and wrath, we think of it in a future sense. Right? The wrath that is coming—that's eschatological wrath. The, the, the day of the Lord, end times, wrath to come. Right, the final judgment. This is we think of it in the sense that, that Romans 2 5, Paul talks about this future wrath even in Romans. Romans 2 5 says this, But because of your hard and impen- um, impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. In other words, when we sin and we rebel against God, when we exchange God, earthly things, we are storing up wrath for the day of wrath, and then there's this future tense, will be revealed, this day of wrath will be revealed, that's a future judgment of future wrath, but look at verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, this is a present tense, there is a judgment in other words that is happening right now, which it's different than the final judgment, but I think it foreshadows the final judgment and is similar to the final judgment. What is this present judgment? We'll look at verse 22 again. It says this. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged, that's our problem, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up. Listen. up to this point in this passage, God has enacted Verse 18 through 23, man suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. Man didn't honor God. Man didn't give thanks to God. Man exchanged the glory of God for images. Then 24, therefore God gave them up. That is the judgment. That is God's wrath. God gave them. uses that word exchange, which is our greatest problem, our greatest sin, three times. Man exchange, man exchange, man exchange, man, man said to God, God, I don't want you. He exchanged him. He uses that word three times. Look at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up. Now verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. Now verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God... God gave them up. Three times. God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them up. Listen, man exchanged God for created things. Man exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Therefore, God gave them up to that lie. I actually like how the NIV translated it. says this, God gave them up. God's judgment and wrath is actually pretty simple in this passage. It's just God letting go. Man says, God, I don't want you. I don't want your rules. I don't want your laws. And God's judgment is just this Him saying, Okay, you can have what you want. That's God's wrath. One commentator said it this way. The major point of Romans 1 is that when man persistently abandons God, God will abandon them. God's judgment that is being revealed is giving man exactly what he wants. Timothy Keller writes, If you want freedom from God, you will quite justly get what you hope for, and it will be torment. Some call this the wrath of abandonment. God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, to the madness that's in their hearts. And this can happen to the individual. In fact, I'm sure you can think of someone. Maybe this was you before you were saved. Maybe you're right in the middle of this in your life. This can happen to the individual. The person runs away from God, exchanges the glory of God for earthly things, tries to find hope and satisfaction in something in this world, right, continuously tries to abandon God, and at some point God gives them over to the lust of their hearts and it leads them to destruction. You know what happens a lot of times? They're just mad at God. and They want to get away from God even more. It leads to more destruction and madness. Romans 1 is actually a downward spiral. You read Romans 1 18 through 32, and it, it, it's a downward spiral into madness. And this is true for the individual, but look at the person or the pronouns. Verse 24: God gave them. Plural. God gave them up. Verse 25, God gave or, or because they, plural. Verse 25, because they exchanged believe after studying this passage for a while. Paul is describing the downward spiral that happens when men, plural, when a society, when a nation is being judged by God. And look at verse 18, it says the wrath of God is revealed. Being revealed means that we should be able to see it. What does it look like? What does the wrath of God look like? What does judgment on a whole society, on a whole nation look like? Well, that brings us to our last point. Again, the first point is this, man's evil tendency, his evil tendency is to express the truth, his evil tendency is to exchange, exchange God for something else. At least the second point, God's revealed wrath is to give us over, it's right, the lust of our hearts to to a false worship, to the lie, to the madness of sin. Which brings us to our third point. The three signs of God's judgment. I believe Paul gives us three signs that a society is being judged by God. That God has given a society over to the madness of sin. So let's look at these three signs. The first sign is this. God gives a society over to sexual madness. Look at verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. That is clear as sexual sin that's being talked about here. Paul is saying when sexual perversion becomes public and normal, when it just fills the air that we breathe, When a society doesn't blush anymore, when a society celebrates sexual perversion instead of of denouncing it, it's a sign of God's judgment. It's a sign that God gave them up, gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves in verse 25 because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They exchange the truth about God for a lie. What is the truth about God? Simply, God is good. That's the truth about God. He is good. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. That's the truth about God, that that sex is a gift, but only in marriage. That when he says, don't have sex outside of marriage, he's not being restrictive unnecessarily. But he wants what's best for us. But man has exchanged the truth about God, that he is good, for a lie. The lie is this. God told holding something back. So it's interesting in the Greek verse twenty-five. The word "lie" is articular; it has an article. So a literal translation—I don't know why the translators haven't translated it this way—but a literal translation would be like this: verse twenty-five, because they exchange the truth about God for the lie. Well, what's the lie? What's Paul talking about when he says the lie? I think. We the first lie we see in Scripture, the first lie that, that ever took place when creation happened, the garden. Remember Satan told Eve, You will not surely die. It's a lie. But God created Adam out of his love, gave Adam this beautiful garden, created Eve because he saw that he was lonely and gave him every tree in this garden. He said, there's this one tree, don't eat. If you eat of that tree, you will die. And Satan came and said, you will not surely die. In fact, you'll be like God. You know what Satan was saying? God is the liar. You won't die. God is holding something back from you, Eve. He doesn't love you. He's not trustworthy. He doesn't want you to be happy. What did Eve do? She exchanged the truth about God, that he's good for the lie. Listen, you know a culture is being judged by God when the whole culture falls into that same lie and says, we can't trust God holding something back. Let's redefine the morals surrounding sex. Let's have a sexual revolution. How's our culture doing with this? Do we have sexual madness? We had a sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s. It was often called sexual liberation. It's led to all types of sexual perversion, all types of pain and suffering and destruction What were we being liberated from? That's a good question. You know what we're being liberated from? God. God's moral standard. His rules. In other words, we exchange the truth about God that he's good for a lie. We say, God, we don't want you or your rules. We say, God, we don't want you. You know what God said? us up, to the lust of our hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of our bodies among ourselves. That's where we're at. Again, the first sign of God's judgment, man rebels against God's special revelation, his moral law, that sex should only be within the confines of marriage. Therefore, God gives them up lust of their hearts that to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves that's a sign that God's judgment has fallen on a society that they enter into sexual madness that's just the first sign second sign of God's judgment homosexual madness look at verse 26 for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions where their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameful acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. The second sign of God's wrath is homosexual madness. Why? You would think, maybe because we are so decensored censored that, that homosexual sin and madness would just fit under sexual madness. But Paul specifically singles out homosexual madness for a reason. What's the difference between sexual madness and homosexual madness? One word. Natural. For the women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women. I was reading three different commentaries on this, and I think James Montgomery Boyce just hits it right on, so let me just read what he writes in commentary on, on this passage. Fornication and adultery, which are in view in verse 24, that's the sexual madness first sign are not unnatural sins. For they are not against nature. Of course, they are true sins. For they break the moral law of God. They result in impurity and in the degrading of our bodies, as Paul says. But they are not unnatural. They are accomplished by using one's body in a natural way, in other words. Not so with homosexuality. Homosexuality is unnatural, and it is accomplished by using one's body in an unnatural way, that is, against nature. In the first case, we may well need the Bible to tell us that fornication is wrong. But in the case of homosexuality, we do not even need this special revelation. A look at one's own sexual parts should convince anyone that the practice of this kind are not normal, are not natural. Again, the first sign is sexual madness. Man rebels against God's moral law. He exchanges the truth about God for a lie. A second sign of God's judgment is homosexual madness. Man rebels against nature itself. He exchanges natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. You know what that is? Mad or man being mad at God for who he is. For how he was made. For making him a certain way. And I want to be clear again, this is a downward spiral. These aren't three signs that are co-equals. The first sign is sexual madness. That's the first step. The second sign is homosexual madness. That's a further step. Again, let me ask this question. are we doing as a culture? We just experienced a homosexual revolution. I want to be clear on that. We are not in a homosexual revolution. We are on the other side of it. Homosexuality is now a norm. In fact, if you speak out against homosexuality, you are on the fringe of society. You are the radical. You are the bigot. You are on the wrong side of history. God's judgment is sexual madness. The second sign of God's judgment is homosexual madness. It's one final step. One final sign. The final sign of God's judgment on a culture is just pure madness. Look at verse 28. And Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be. Greek word debase means uh, tested and found worthless. In other words, our thinking as a culture just becomes worthless. This is worse than foolishness. It's insanity. It's it's madness. Up becomes down, down becomes up. Right is wrong, wrong is right. We call the profane beautiful. We call the beautiful profane. Again, verse 28 and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God God gave them up or gave them over to a D-based mind listen this is America this is our culture we have debased based minds I've said this a number of times we can't answer simple questions what is gender? what is a man? what is a woman? this Olympics, we had a biological male power lifter lifting against women as a woman. That's crazy. We have male MMA fighters fighting women as a woman. That's madness. We have high school track runners running against girls, and our culture is, is encouraging this. Male high school track Runners running against girls claiming to be a woman. It's insanity. It's a debased mind. You can't answer simple question what bathrooms should we use? It would be funny if it wasn't true. What is a human being? What is a baby? 60 million babies killed, murdered, right in the moms. We call that a right in our country. Abortion is a right. This is just on my heart. I'm going to say it. <clears throat> we just experienced a miscarriage. You know, our doctor was so happy for us about this baby that was coming. And as soon as she couldn't hear the heartbeat. At the base mind. what is marriage what is a family what is math? Harvard just recently came out and said to say two plus two equals four is epistemic racism. That's at the base mind. That's God's wrath on a culture. Up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evil, uh, covetousness, malice. Right, that's our culture. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God. That's our culture. Insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. 12-year-old girl going around the world lecturing adults about climate change. We promoted. My grandfather's generation, we called it the greatest generation. Like we should call the millennial generation, the most arrogant generation. Foolish, faithless, heartless, Ruthless just list 21 items. I don't think this was meant to be a complete list. I think it was meant to go through each item. I think it's meant to represent all types of evils. This is what happens when God gives a society over to a D-based mind. We end up in all types of evil, chaos, madness, riots on the streets. Righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, and not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. We call murder in our country reproductive justice, we call riots on the street in our country racial justice. and we're not going to be judged as a nation for removing prayer from the schools, from removing the Ten Commandments from our federal buildings, for saying, God, we don't want you. Leave us alone as a country. For teaching godless ideologies such as evolution, postmodernism, critical race theory, for rampant divorce in our society, for promoting sexual perversion like homosexuality, transgenderism, Pornography for murdering over 60 million babies. We're not going to be judged as a nation. We are being judged as a nation. the truth. We need to be pointing people to the truth, no matter what the cost. You know what? It's going to cost. Because how did this all start? Verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Because if you want to make a difference in our nation, proclaim truth. Be bold with the truth. Be all about the truth. Live in light of the truth. Don't be a hypocrite. Paul eventually is going to say in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, this world that's in madness and insanity. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. thoughts that, that aren't in line with the truth take them captive, take the lives of Satan captive to the glory of God live in the truth the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge That's Proverbs 1 said, the beginning of understanding beginning of a, of a firm foundation beginning of convictions be a Christian who has convictions about the truth And our calling as a church is again as culture goes into madness is to point people to the truth, to the gospel, which is truth, it's news, it's good news, it's true news. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. Jesus said in John eight thirty one, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. As God judges our nation, He's revealing His judgment to us. Sexual madness, homosexual madness, and just madness. As our society is under God's judgment, we need to be all about the truth. I want to end with this because I know this was a discouraging sermon. I want to end with some encouragement. So, if you would, I know we're long. If you want to leave, you can. Acts 17, verse 24. If you turn there real quick. Acts 17, verse 24. It says this in verse 24. God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth. Stop there. This is Paul talking to non-believers. And he's saying, God is big. He's in charge. He does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He's not just big, but he's good fall into the lie of Satan. Don't fall into the lie. God is good. You can trust Him. And He made from one man every nation of mankind all come from one man to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places that they should seek God. In other words, in God's sovereignty He placed you me, in America, in California, in Tehachapi, during this time. Having determined allotted periods, that's time, and the boundary, that's places, of man, it's by no accident that you are here right now. You and me were made for such a time as this. This is our time. This is our time to glorify God, to trust God, to proclaim and live in the truth, to proclaim the gospel to a lost and dying nation. This is why I want you to picture as we finish this morning. God gave our culture over. The idea of giving over to sin. I want you to remember that, because I think we have this, this, this picture of God that is upset and saying, all right, I'm just done with you guys. Why don't you picture the, the, the parable of the prodigal son? The prodigal son that says, I don't want you. Give me my inheritance so I can live outside or away from you. And God is the father. That's what the father represents. says, okay. What was God's disposition? It was the father's disposition in that? Son back. We need to point people back to this gracious and loving God. Listen, be encouraged. This is our time. And if you're, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, I'm like worried for my kids and my, my grandkids. What is this culture? What's this country going to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now? Listen, that's their time. God's sovereign. He put them there. Get them prepared. This is our time. Let's be bold truth. If God is for us, we we'll can be against us. Let's pray. dear Father God, Lord, I just pray that that you're with our church, Lord. I don't know what the future holds, Lord. I do see your wrath being poured out on our country right now, God. pray as we as a church are are witnessing this, as you're revealing this to us, Lord, that we continue to stand firm on your word, on truth, that we live differently to the world, that we're not conformed to the world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, and we continue to go to your word, to know what truth is, so we can renew our minds to it. Help us as a church to be bold, Lord. Help us to point this culture back to you, Lord. Father word. It's waiting and willing to accept any that come to him. Your son's name.